Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into another edition of Slow Your Roll. I am Dominic Lorenzano, alongside writer for the Yaki Way Report, Jesse Caulfield, as always, here on a Thursday. We're late. It's yeah. It, it's been uh, it's been a week. <laughs> we, got, we got lost. You know, stuff happened. I was at there was sta- monsters at one point. I yeah, don't know. It was weird. Uh, yeah, you know, fell off the edge of the world. Yeah. Looking for the new world. I don't know. I, I can't don't know. figure out the mic again. There's a little, there was a lot of stuff going on. But anyway, we got some things to cover today. The World Series, it's been back and forth. Back knotted up at two. Game tonight, Verlander and Syndergaard. We're going to talk about that World Series so far, what we think tonight. I kind of think it's a must-win game for Philly, but we'll talk about mm. that. Okay. Uh, we'll talk about that. Um, then... NFL trade deadline, bunch of things went down. We'll talk about some of those moves. We'll talk about the Pats last week and now the game coming up this week. And I have some thoughts on some college football real quick. Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher down there. Spent some time down in New Orleans. I was with my sources for a little bit. And uh, it's crazy yeah, town. That's what you were doing. It's crazy there. town down there in Texas A&M. Oh, no, that wasn't the only thing I was doing. <laughs> I was just already in the area, so why not? <laughs> So, with that, though, Jesse, I'm going to let you get us started here. Take it away. Thanks, John. I'm going to record this because I don't need my a lot of notes today because mm-hmm. this is coming from the heart. <laughs> but uh, so the Arizona Coyotes, they're a hockey team. They exist. They're in, some might even call them an NHL franchise. <laughs> I understand why you might not want to call them that. Uh I talked about this last year a little bit, just the embarrassment that is this franchise of you got kicked out of your arena. You're currently playing in a college arena. Mm. And you know what? It's the best thing that's happened to the Arizona Coyotes since the inception of this team. Because, I mean, because of the situation, you know, you have to go by this college schedule now, too. They, they need to use their own arena. It's ASU, by the way. So, like, pretty rowdy. Uh, so... They, you know, they had to start the season on the road, and when they finally got to play a home game, it was five days ago. Uh, you know, it's it's the first game in the college arena. It's so small. I'm sure the locker rooms are not up to real NHL standards. But I what mean, have you seen pictures of the locker rooms? Uh, I I've seen some. Like you know, they took a photo like from their first win. Like yeah. you know, I haven't seen a lot, but like it looks okay. Like it's not like gross. It's no. still a college. You know, they care about their teams more than their classrooms usually um but it's not like oh just the beautiful like there's a you can get a massage in the other room you can get like this other stuff going on in this room and that room no it's just kind of a locker room locker room for asu you know they care more about football or baseball than their hockey team but uh you know they they whatever so anyway rolls around game one at home and it was one of the most electric games I've ever seen. Not only was actually the play on the ice fun to watch, it was a pretty intense game. Uh, they ended up losing in overtime to the Ducks, but whatever, who cares? But, like, they had a student section, which, like, you know, students just come for free. And they should. I hope they have that every game for the sake of, like, listen, you're not going to sell out all the time, especially if it's on a campus. Like, people aren't just going to want to come to a campus. I do because it looked amazing. But, like, you should always have the student section because they, they fan over the student section it's exactly what you expect. Mm-hmm. A bunch of college kids who are not watching their own team just going nuts. And it's like you got kids from, like, if you, when they panned over the student section, I saw, like, you know, kids got football jerseys on. You see Chiefs. 
you saw I saw a Guardians uh, shirt. I saw you know Calgary Flames. I saw penguins. I saw a man dressed as a penguin. But like the that's you know you don't want that in your stadium mm. usually. But when you're begging for anyone to come, when you just have a bunch of people who are there just to have a good time, that just brings that brings the energy up. And that's what that that's what Arizona needs. And also to mention like just the stars were out. The stars of Arizona. You know, Frankie Muniz was there. Apparently there was a bunch of Twitch people there that like the Arizona Coyotes, just the local celebrities. And I know the NHL paid these a lot of these people to probably just please come, just come to the first game. Please, please, please. But it was just amazing. Biz Nasty was there, you know, uh, Arizona Coyotes legend. Shane Doan dropped the puck. His son goes to ASU, I found out, which is hilarious. Um, but it was just a great time. They gave out free mullets to everyone. It's called Mullet Arena, by the way. I think I forgot to mention that. But it was just a great time. There's The fans were actually happy to be there. There were real Arizona Coyotes fans. You know, you, a lot of people actually did have their Arizona Coyotes stuff. But when you only have to fill, like, 2,500 seats, like, it's a lot easier. And, you know... The crowd noise is easier to build. You know, you don't have to sell out like uh, 17,000, whatever it is. But uh, here's the thing. I've defended the Coyotes as much as I can. It's only You can only defend this team so much. Like, you know, the logo's cool. I like the uniforms. You know, we're trying here with the NHL. But, like, it's never turned a profit even close. Like, actually, I mean, most teams in the NHL don't turn a profit. Fun fact. Uh, but uh, Arizona was like... You are a black eye for this league. You are hemorrhaging a severe amount of money. You just got thrown out of your stadium. But if you look at the rest of uh, Arizona sports, like where do you think like they rank in revenue? Um, I mean, I would say you're a Diamondbacks fan, so yeah, the Diamondbacks when they were good did okay, but now they're not mm. great. Well, last year they ranked 21st. Okay. In MLB. That's about where I would expect them to be. Yeah, High teens, low 20s. That's not awful no, for a team that hasn't really competed much in a little while. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, uh, I think it was like a couple team, a couple years ago, they mm-hmm. had some fringe playoffs teams, but they never or have been a contender. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I can't even remember a really contender Arizona mm-hmm. team for over like two decades. Mm-hmm. Um, what about the Phoenix Suns? Well, they've been good, so I would thought that they'd be like, 14, 15, 17th in revenue. Okay. Still kind of middle of the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Cardinals were the worst of the other three, not including oh. the Coyotes, of the other three teams. Okay. They are 30th out of 32. Okay. Um, which was by far the hardest to find. Mm. Trying to find the revenue rankings for the NFL teams was a nightmare. Fix that. Mm. Uh, but they are 30th uh, and really haven't been good in a while. Mm. But, you know, I feel like uh, you can put a team almost anywhere in North America, mm. and if that team is good, they're going to show up. Look at uh, Las Vegas. Mm. A team would never work there. No teams will work there. It's Sports teams avoided it like the plague mm. for decades. And then Vegas, or uh, suddenly the NHL was just like, we're going to play hockey there. Mm. And they love it. They're going nuts for it still. I mean, they've been good. You know, we'll see when they suck in a few years. But it's been good. It's been rolling. Uh, actually, the Dallas Stars don't do bad in Texas. Uh, Tampa Bay, actually, you know, it helps to be the elite team in the NHL for five-plus years now. But they do very well. Florida Panthers have done okay the last year. You know, you just won the President's Trophy. That helps. 
But it, hockey is somewhat clicking in the South. Mm. Not so much in the desert <laughs> in Arizona, but it is clicking. It's clicking in the California desert. Mm. I'll say that much. Uh, but, like, if you just make a team. Now, Arizona's been crap from day one. Like, and really, like, they only made the East, or excuse me, Western Conference Finals. It's not recording at this mm. point. That's be way too long. And I'm just rambling at this point. <laughs> but, like, um, it's been crap from day one. You've only made the Western Conference Final one time. I think there's only been, like, three, four playoff appearances. Mm. Why would these fans go in the first place? Mm. The management has been, this is actually, we talk about how, like, oh, my God, the Browns are so terribly run. The Lions, <laughs> uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. The Arizona Coyotes give all these teams, even the commanders, a run for their money mm. of just how terrible and the decisions they've made. The people they've hired, like just some of the slimy human beings that literally will like manipulate the Arizona owner like to just give me money. I'll ruin this team even worse, but he doesn't know because he doesn't know what he's doing. Mm. So like if you just make a good team, I think there's no doubt Arizona people will show up. They're looking for anything right now. Mm. This is the time especially. I mean, Diamondbacks are kind of on the up and up, but yeah. they're still fringe. Phoenix Suns are good, but like, how long is that going to last? It's the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Phoenix Suns are not that great anymore. It's already starting to go down a bit. Sure. All right, sure. I, that's kind of to my point. Like, did you really expect it to last? And the Arizona Cardinals now look like Suck. a hot mess. They look like a hot mess. This is your time, NHL. <laughs> Throw, like, literally just, I don't care, rig it. A little bit. You you did that for the Penguins in the 90s and the early 2000s. Like, do it for Arizona just to make them fringe good. And I guarantee this team will start turning a profit. Not even that. Because, like, this is the NHL. You only need a couple teams to turn a profit. I think there's one year, like, six teams turned a profit. But they still was, like, they made huge money. Mm. Because the teams that do make a profit, Boston, Rangers, uh, Can- Canadians, Leafs, uh, Blackhawks. Like, they make so much money that... There, that's what keeps Arizona alive. That's what keeps Florida alive. That's what well, keeps Calgary doesn't alive. Doesn't every single Canada team turn a profit? No. Really? Calgary, Winnipeg, um, they're, they all don't make a profit. That's surprising. Well, that's the thing. Like, The fans are very passionate, and like they'll, they'll go to the games. They'll buy their stuff. But like based on like where they are, like Winnipeg's is it's not a very populous place. That's true. That's a good point. So like... They can't, and they can't charge exorbitant amounts. They need these yeah. not very rich places to come to these games. That and sure, sense. they do well in terms of getting people to follow them and get um, a fan base, but it's not a very profitable location. Okay. Hence okay. why the Jets didn't last the first time. Why don't you come to, why doesn't Quebec have a team? I don't know, maybe because Montreal makes a profit and yeah. Quebec City didn't. Probably, and probably everyone there probably just follows Montreal. At this point, yeah. Well, that's yeah. the thing. There used to be a Quebec team. It didn't make a profit because Montreal made all the money. Yeah. So I was like, well, why Why would we Why yeah. would we dip into that? That makes sense. So they went to Seattle. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't have a ton to add because I don't know everything about the situation. But I will say this. If there was ever a time that the Coyotes could get traction, it is now. Yeah. Because the Cardinals are a hot mess. But you extended Cliff Kingsbury. You extended the GM. And you gave Kyler a bunch of money. So, like, there's no obvious way out of this. For the Cardinals, the Phoenix Suns kind of felt like we were they were in a championship window the last two years and blew it, and now it kind of looks like it's over yeah. for them. So, yeah, no, 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 Arizona sports are going to need something else to root for coming up. So if there's ever a time for the Coyotes, if they can win some games, it's now. And this is America. 
if your team wins games, people will just watch it. Yeah, that's true. People will watch. Yeah, I mean, listen, television, television, TV is desperate for content because nobody watches TV shows anymore, yeah. like on cable TV shows. Yes and no. No, they really don't. Here's the thing about that. There's a few that still do, the ones that have been there for a long time, but for the most yes. part, it's, it's Netflix, well, it's yes. Hulu shows, Amazon Prime shows. The thing about those stats is more people still watch TV than stream. Mm-hmm. It's just that the people that watch TV are the are the old people that still watch TV and are eventually going to die out, mm-hmm. and the young people are streaming. Yes. But like, still more people watch TV, mm-hmm. but like the cool people stream, yeah. and the cool things are on streaming. No, I get you, I get you. So the money is, it's just... The money is still in TV. Yeah. It's just only for so much longer. That's the problem. Exactly. All right. With that, I think we're ready to re- uh, move on to rapid fire news. Let's get into it real quick. The World Series. So the Astros were able to rebound last night. Houston 5 nothing over the Phillies. They threw a combined no-hitter. Christian Javier, six shutout innings, and the bullpen took it the rest of the way. Um, the game before that, Philly had won 7 nothing over Houston. They exploded for five home runs in that game. The mm. series has been the series of, like, offensive explosions, I feel like. A little bit. Back and forth. But it's only, like... We'll get into it. We'll get into oh, it sure, later. Sure, sure. Um, also, with free agency coming up, the Red Sox, no shocker here, will at least extend a qualifying offer to Xander Bogarts, though it seems unlikely at this point that the Red Sox will be extending any type of qualifying offer to Nathan Eovaldi. Um, and the one on the oh. on the precipice right here is Michael Walker. That one to me seems a little interesting if they will or if they will not. Also, in other news, Bradley Chubb just signed a massive extension with the Miami Dolphins, a five-year, $110 million extension for Bradley Chubb. The NFL trade deadline just happened. There was quite a bit of movement. Roquan Smith, the, you know... Very vocal about wanting to get out of Chicago (laughs) when the start of the season was finally dealt to Baltimore for a second and a fifth round pick. TJ Hawkinson, the tight end for the Detroit Lions, was dealt to the Minnesota Vikings for a second round pick and a 2024 third round pick. And Naheem Hines got traded to the Buffalo Bills for Zach Moss and a sixth round pick. Am I missing any others? Any other big ones? Um... That I, happened. That happened over the last couple. Of, I mean, like we knew the big ones that happened last week. But uh, oh, Chase Claypool was dealt to the Bears um, yes. as well for a second round pick. We're going to talk about the Bears oh. and their moves a little bit later. I mean, this one's not going to matter this year. But Calvin Ridley was traded to the Jaguars. Oh, I forgot all about that. And Calvin Ridley was traded to the Jags. James Robinson. Did we mention that one? That happened last week. Okay. I, yeah, I, yeah. 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 All right. Uh, yeah. Other than that. And for our last piece of news, real quick, there was. On Wednesday, the launching of the first women's sports network, which, I mean, it's a good... Didn't even hear about that, to be honest. <laughs> I know. Um, it's uh, it's good, though. It's a, it's a great start. The only thing I question is, like, how do they divide the revenue up? Because you have the WNBA on it, and you have, like, skiing and snowboarding, and then you have, like, you have all these things, and you're making a face. I guarantee you the network turns a profit just because advertisers are going to be like, well, it's good for our brand and it's TV and it's sports. Someone's watching. Let's just get our brand. My only thing I don't understand is like, like every sport usually has their own streaming network. So how, how do they decide how much snowboarding, whatever gets and how much the WNBA is going to get. And I I, I, that's the only thing to me that I, I found. It's its own channel. Yeah. 
I mean, so how do you divide up the I'm revenue? Sure they are, is everyone just going to get equal amounts? I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. See, I made a face because I thought you were going to make a joke. No. About like no, I, the it's, wage gap. Uh, no, I wasn't going to make a wage gap. At but, the end of the day, this is this is what they needed to do. This is this is smart. This is very smart. TV. Listen, all the money's in TV, and advertisers pay. As long as you get the advertising, I mean, you'll make money. I just don't understand like how they're going to divide it up. That's the only part to me that I'm. That Who I made this channel? And looking at it, I didn't get much of an answer. So. Who made the channel? Is it like an extension of ESPN? No, it's it's its own streaming service. Just some women came together and said, "We yeah, like sports." We and want it'll, to talk it'll about. be on Amazon. It'll be on like like you have access See, to it in so many different places. They should have called, which is part of the thing that also makes it more confusing. It's like you have so many people in here on this that it's like mind blowing to me. I think you should have called like ESPN or somebody, Fox Sports. See, that's what I thought, and it'd been like, "Hey, we want just an all women sh- sports show where we talk about just women sports." And I, sh- I guarantee ESPN would have been like, you should have called us five years ago. I mean, it's not a sports show. It's showing events. I mean, you, you have some college stuff, oh. games. You have snowboarding. But there's, there's no, like, analysts after, like... I, I'm sure they'll have I'm sure they'll have Women's shows. sports news. I'm sure they'll have stuff like that. But, okay. But the part that's confusing to me is that, like, you'll have WNBA. You'll have, like, snowboarding skateboarding you'll have some college women's sports you'll have well, like, it's, like it's making me think like so it, many cooks in the kitchen it sounds like nbc sports i think nbc sports is the overall governing body yes well no but like it's just like you know you you watch if you put on nbc sports all day they'd be like all right there's some european soccer in the morning and then like it used to be like they had hockey mm. um primetime hockey and they show some basketball and sometimes well sometimes they'd have like snowboarding and other other Olympic style sports, gymnastics, even mm. I've, I've seen on that channel. Not mm. that I've watched it, but it's just like, oh, there it is. Yeah, no, I got you. Racing, Racing. they race the car. Yeah. All right. Anyway, with that, we are going to move on to our next topic here: the World Series. We are all knotted up at two games apiece for both the Astros and the Phillies. As I mentioned, it's been a it's been a series of offensive explosions. Other than the first game where both teams kind of went off and Philly came back. The rest of the games usually haven't been that close, particularly the last two games. It is, but they're only in, like, small bunches. Oh, yeah, I know. So, like, last night, I think it was, what is it, the fifth inning? Yeah. Astros scored all their runs. And then, like, the 7 nothing Phillies game, like, there was a couple home runs in the first. Mm-hmm. And then I think it was in the second, and then it just disappeared for a while. And mm-hmm. they started hitting home runs again in, like, the sixth inning. Mm-hmm. So, it comes and it goes. Yeah. The pitching has, at times, been overpowering yeah and at times been terrible yes yeah well do you think lance mccullers was tipping his pitches no i don't i think you don't i i just don't think lance mccullers is that good he had to have been tipping his pitches though when 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 bryce harper called over um and maybe he was uh bohm and it was like whispered in his ear that's true like there had to been like here's the thing i've seen a whole bunch of videos i like i've tried to like Watch the footage myself. I'm like, I don't know what it was. Mm-hmm. And the Phillies were asked, like, do you know, like, what, what, what was he doing? And they were like, that's our, that's our secret. We're not going to tell you. Maybe he was tipping his um, pitches then. Because no one can really figure it out. Mm. But, like, apparently, you know, you know, if I was the Phillies also and if it's true, like, I wouldn't tell. I mean, here's the thing, though. Even if it wasn't true, I'd say I would try and say it was true. Because then I, I want him to, yeah, I want him to make him think about it. Mm. You know what I mean? Just make him make a slight adjustment to his. Yeah. 
uh, I mean, mechanics. Listen, I, I've said this before in baseball. To me, other than the catcher who's calling a game, you can't really be thinking in baseball when you're doing stuff. On the base paths, you can to an extent. But when you think about stuff in baseball, you have to do it before the action starts. Yeah, I was going to say, you if need to think in between plays. Yes, if but, you're like but in, if you're sitting in the batter's box thinking while still in the batter's box, you're not, you're not going to hit. You just, it, it all goes too fast. Yeah. I, you think about it before you get back into that box. Okay. And, and you know what I mean? You know. And to me, it's the same with pitching. It's so like rhythm-based, and you make sure that your body just gets in that rhythm so you keep repeating the same motion and stuff. That's why you need a good catcher who takes the thinking away so all you can think about is execution, execution, execution. If McCullers takes the hill again and he starts thinking about, well, is it, is it if I dip my left shoulder this way or if I, you know what I mean? Like, you can't, you can't be mm. doing that. Speaking of that, shout out to Christian Vasquez for calling a no-hitter last night. Oh, I know, right? Uh, <clears throat> but that's, you know what, maybe he needed Christian Vasquez. You'd be like, hey, man. Mm. You dip in your shoulder on your curveballs or something mm. like that. Mm. I mean, usually, usually uh, a tell is before the pitch is thrown. Honestly, it's just something. Whether it's the way that you, you know, deal with the ball well, in that, your that glove. That was one of the things I saw. Like he seemed to McCullers seemed to have the it lower toward it, like below his chest as opposed to above his chest when mm. he seemed to have thrown a curveball. Oh, but there okay. was but there was a couple of things that was like, well, in this instance, he had it down here, but he threw a fastball. Mm. So it's like. Maybe he was tipping his pitches sometimes. Yeah. And hence why, like, in the middle innings, he kind of calmed down and settled in. So, you know, we could all be right here. Maybe he wasn't tipping his pitches, but maybe he was in the first inning Mm -hmm. type thing. And he, like, fixed it or it was just something so subtle that it wasn't, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe the Phillies were wrong. Maybe they overthought it. He's tipping his pitches. And that just, uh, what's the word? It was like the placebo. Yeah. He's tipping his pitches. I'm going to be so confident at the plate that I'm just going to succeed. Yeah. Something no, like that. Exactly. But I will say they did have a a, a lot of success against his breaking ball. Like yeah, a just, lot. It was kind of flat. It was. I thought at times it was a bit flat. That's the other thing, too. Um, I think, I mean, especially the one that Alec Bohm, that was such just a cement mixer. Mm. Just spins but doesn't go anywhere. Sure. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know. I, whatever. Yeah. To me, it still comes down most of the time to just execution. But who do you think's been the better team to this point? <clears throat> it's tough to say. I say Phillies. Uh, Philly probably has been the better team. Even but, though you just got no hit. But I'm going to move on to what I'm talking about right now, which is maybe Philly's been the better team now, but I think tonight is a must-win game for the Phillies. I think they have to win tonight because if they lose, then you get Frember Valdez. In Houston, and like Valdez has been a money all postseason. And what Valdez does is like the epitome of the Achilles heel to the modern day offense because he's got the velocity still and the stuff and the changeup and all that, but he's got so much movement on his fastball and stuff. Like, and especially to a lineup like the Phillies, which is made up of a lot of guys with a lot of power and pull the ball, it's hard to not try and pull. Valdez's fastball and pull everything but like he's the classic sinker baller if you try and pull his pitches you're just gonna get on top of it and ground out hmm. well, it's Justin Verlander tonight also it is Verlander tonight yes. and he sucks in the World Series he has so. not been great um, the Phillies are going with Noah Syndergaard who is not the Noah Syndergaard that he was some years ago so I don't know how tonight goes but I still think like I said I think Philly's, mm. I think Philly's gotta win tonight you know, I wasn't really thinking that 
But like that, that is a good point. Because mm. I was thinking like, mm, I mean, you know, it to lose two at out of three at home, like that's that's pretty mm-hmm. deflating. Yeah, and also yeah. that can be devastating. Um, you know, especially you got to go go away for the final two. Mm. But I, I don't I don't know. Like I almost felt like. You know, game two was like, you know, very much Astros, but like the attitude of the Phillies makes me feel like almost like being down would almost like help them. That's why I kind of feel like this no hitter, like you almost should have just let them get a hit last night because I don't know, like some of the, what are the post game interviews in like the locker room? I Schwabu was one and it's like, oh, like, like, how do you feel about the night? He's like, I don't give it. Yeah. Whatever, whatever you want to say, whatever we can and can't say on the show. I know technically we've said everything at this point, but we'll try to clean it up. He, is, he doesn't give a damn uh, and all that stuff. Like he's like, well, by your attitude, you clearly care a little bit. But I understand the like, well, whatever attitude. But yeah, that that's just like, all right, all right. You want you want you want to pitch that good? Fine, fine. We'll take you deep. We'll take you deep next time. You know, and then they can come with that like, all right, we're gonna overswing now and just swing for the fences. But I don't know, like. This Phillies team that just need they just if you give them like one now one hit tonight, mm-hmm. like oh watch out, mm-hmm. like I just get that feeling from the Phillies. Mm-hmm. So I, I understand what you're saying, like oh tonight's probably a must win, but mm-hmm. I don't know. This team seems to almost like getting punched in the face no, and I, I like hear. being down and out. Mm. But sure, you should you probably don't want to be in that position with um. With Valdez well, coming yeah. up in Game Six, yes. that's the real thing to me. If it wasn't Valdez pitching Game Six, I, I would be like, they'll be okay even if they lose tonight. But if you're facing Frambar in a must-win situation, mm-hmm. I, I just don't. I don't like anyone's odds really the way he's pitched in this postseason. But don't do you not think just Dusty Baker would overmanage that situation? <laughs> he might. And I don't want to crap on Dusty Baker because it's too easy to crap on Dusty Baker in the playoffs. But mm-hmm. like, I don't know. Uh, Feels like a Dusty Baker thing to over yeah. over manage it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. He could. He could. The other thing is, um, you know, how long can this Phillies bullpen hold up? Because it's Still been going. must. It's must been you know so maligned during the regular season. So far, it's held up pretty well here in the World Series. But I mean, I, you always feel like you're just you're you're just an inch away from disaster here, and it can only hold up for so much longer. Yeah, but, like, at the same time, like, we're this deep. Mm. If you're not, like, sure, like, it's got to all come crumbling down eventually. It's eventually, every hot streak comes to an end. But, like, we're game five of the World Series is tonight. We're in November. Mm. Uh, and they're still going. Like, I don't know. This just seems, they're just big game Philly pitchers, it I guess. seems. They, just, they were just built for the playoffs and not the regular season. <laughs> I don't know what it is. That's just that's the Dombrowski way. In 2018, we said, like, oh, my God, this Red Sox team is so good, but that bullpen is so scary. And yet, yeah, they held it down the entire time. Yeah, they did. They and did. now, they never faced elimination, and I know the Phillies haven't either. But, like, you know, Red Sox weren't 2-2 two and two in the World Series. So, like, yeah, I'll give it that. Okay. Yeah, it just seems like you just keep stepping over landmines, and at some point here, you're gonna step on one. That's that. That's the way I look at it. I, I don't know. I feel like these the Phillies just are playing with house money. They just got that we got nothing to lose attitude. Why not us? Like, and it's just mm. they all got that mentality, and it's the best thing for them. And it's just I don't know. No, I get you. I get you. All right. So what do you think tonight? Who's taking it? 
Mm. Uh, I think Philly. You think Philly? Yeah. <sighs> you know, if it wasn't a combined no-hitter, I would think that would have voted a lot better for the Astros. Mm. Obviously, you needed to take him out at, like, what was he, at 90-something pitches? You got to take him out. Mm. Like, you can't just let him throw 170 pitches just so he can get his, um... No-hitter. But, like, you know, if he was able to throw a combined no... Or uh, if it wasn't a combined no-hitter... Mm-hmm. Like, combined no-hitter, like, that's just bad luck. Uh, yeah, no, I get you. Do you care about those? Uh, no. I saw a bunch of tweets about, like, it doesn't matter. It's, it really doesn't. It's such a waste of time. I no, mean, like, I don't care. Listen. It's not nearly as exciting, not even close... Mm-hmm. As a real no hitter, no, of course. But not. like, they accomplished something. They did. I think I think Christian Vasquez should get a lot of credit. Oh, I think Christian should get a lot of credit, a ton. Um, I don't know. I think tonight could go either way, but I'll go Houston. I think I think the Houston offense has went into a little bit of a slump for a little bit. I think they came alive last night with their backs up against the wall. I don't expect Verlander to have another bad start. Syndergaard, for a reason, hasn't been one of the top guys starting in the for the Phillies so far in the playoffs. I'll go with Houston tonight, especially since I said Houston in six anyway. So I'll go Astros. I said Phillies in five. That's not possible. Yeah, no, but, your, your, your prediction's gone already. But Philly can win game five. So I'll tell you that. I'll take Philly. That Philly crowd, though, has been insane. Yeah. I mean, I knew it would be. but I mean, like, it's Philadelphia. Yeah, I, Philadelphia. I, I knew it would be, but damn, it's awesome to watch. Sure. Oh, no, this has been a, a very exciting, passionate series. Did you see that with Harper's home run the first, and I think it was Alec Bohm's home run, the stadium and the crowd was so loud that it actually registered around it as oh, if it was an earthquake? Yeah, I know. I saw, like, the... Yeah. The I don't know what the, that meter thing is, but I saw a thingy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, how, that's how wild Philadelphia has been. Yeah. And I got, actually, I got friends there, so, like... I kind of hope the Phillies win so they can send me videos of that city just losing their <laughs> ever-loving mind. Did you see the video? Some kid, he was taking a video of Bryce Harper's at bat, and oh, really? he hit the home run almost right to him in the video. Oh, wow, that's wild. It was, that's crazy. Well, also, like, when the ball gets there, it hits, like, the sea of fans, like, a couple rows in front of him, and just chaos. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. All right, with that, we are going to take our quick break here before we get back, talk some Patriots, and get into the rest of our football talk. Stick with us, guys. And we are back to talk about the Patriots. We're going to talk two Patriots games. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we had the Monday night game last week. And then the Jets game on Sunday. I mean, let's start with the bad one. And there's, I mean, probably more to talk about with that game mm-hmm. than the Jets game anyway. I mean, you know, there's always more to talk about when things go wrong. Mm-hmm. And what a dramatic game it was. 
because not because anything that really happened on the field, but just because, you know, the quarterback drama. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, this is actually one of the places where I really will. I've been tra- I've been hesitant to criticize Bill. I've definitely, you know, I've been there like, you know, the, I don't get your coaching picks here and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But I've tried to defend him with building the team and how he handles the players and stuff like that. But I, to be honest, think Bill could not have handled this quarterback situation worse. Probably, if, probably not. If he tried. I mean, I, I thought Zappy should have just played that game against the Bears. Yeah, because here's the thing. He did come out later. You know, maybe Bill's lying to us, but he came out after the game and said Zappy was always going to play at some point in that game, no matter how it went with Mac Jones. Just because Mac Jones apparently was not 100% on the foot and stuff like that. I heard him say that. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. But apparently, and I did see a tweet from Adam Scheffner before the game, like, don't be surprised if Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi play this game. Mm-hmm. Now, I, when I saw that tweet, I was just like, <clears throat> yeah, whatever. But then, like, it happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, he made the pick, which, like, asterisk next to that pick. ESPN played a part in that pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Zappi comes in. Two drives happen. Mm-hmm. And everyone loses their mind. Now, do I have it? Do I still have it? I might have deleted it because it was a week ago. Mm-hmm. So, in those drives, yes. So, in the first five Bailey Zappi drives, four plays, touchdown. Three plays, touchdown. Three plays, lost a fumble. Three plays, punt. Four plays, punt. So, yeah, I know that was very exciting with those first two touchdown drives. But when you have a touchdown in four plays and then a touchdown in three plays... That usually comes down to a very big play or very bad defense, mm-hmm. and that, this is this is why I was not part of that. Like, oh, Bailey Zappi's the guy. We need to sit, just sit Mac down, get rid of him because, like, he didn't do much of anything. He dumped one off to a pass to I believe it was Stevenson, mm-hmm. and he ran like twenty five yards down the sideline, untouched. No one covered him, and then he threw a ball up to Parker. That Parker actually tried for, so he made the catch. But that was a terrible throw. No, 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 excuse me. I'm getting ahead of myself. It was the Jacoby Myers, who was wide open, Yes, had to then come back for and dive for a ball by himself. No one's around him. And he had enough time to then get up and get into the end zone. Mm-hmm. It's a terrible throw. That was not a good throw. Touchdown in four plays. Let's go like this. Bailey Zappi's great. I will push back on the Devontae Parker throw, though. I thought he put it in a place that Parker could get it, and he didn't throw it in the double coverage, it, listen, which is what Mac has been doing. I understand trusting receivers. Sometimes there's just receivers out there you can kind of throw it out 50-50 balls, and Devontae Parker's supposed to be that guy. Mm-hmm. Kind of hasn't been this year, but he's supposed to be that guy. Well, Mac keeps throwing it when there's two on Parker. And it was... Good enough, I guess, because Devontae Parker made the catch. But here's the thing. It's because he tried that play. Let's, if if it makes a pick, like it's just the same old, well, like, Mac Jones could have done that. Uh, yeah, but the problem is Mac keeps doing that in double coverage, where at least Parker was one-on-one when Bailey made that throw. I guess. Listen, I'm not Bailey but, Zappi is the guy. I'm Mac makes worse decisions, and therefore I like Zappi more. Well, here's the thing. To me, right now, New England has two backup quarterbacks. Sure. No, I don't Th- think that's you're winning with Mac Jones right now. Yeah. But, like, here's the thing. That's part of the growing pains. Make those mistakes. We're not winning anyway. All right. And hopefully you'll learn something. Because here's the thing. Like, we're not the biggest fan of Mac Jones. So I, I think it was Brian who said it. It's like, 
there's no zip on his ball. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, I've seen, you know, when he was drafted, I wouldn't watch those um mm-hmm. I was gonna say Arizona, Alabama, different mm-hmm. state, um, highlights. Uh and it's like I get it, he could just throw it deep to hit a receiver, but he could be accurate enough. Mm-hmm. And he could throw it far enough that it was okay mm-hmm. that there's not really any zip on that ball. Mm-hmm. I don't care if he doesn't zip the ball. Tom Brady can zip the ball, mm-hmm. but where do he zip the ball? No, he liked to dump it off to his um, running backs, running slot. backs, his slot receivers, and his wide open tight end. So like, yeah, but Tom had the zip to to he fit, could to, zip to put it, it in, in his in a slant in but, tight windows. Listen. And all that kind of stuff. Mac doesn't really no, kind of have that. That's zip. why Tom was the goat, because he could zip it. But Patriots don't run that offense. Mm. And if you build a one around Mac where it's like, all right, he's not going to zip it. Let's build that old school Patriots where, like, there's some dumps, some uh, slot receivers that can move quick, get open. But then if you can add what Mac Jones loves to do, that over the top threat, which also, like, just like, you know, makes all the other guys, those slot receivers better. So, like, Build this offense, and there's no doubt in my mind, I'm a more mature Mac Jones could run it well. Were we not saying last year, they're like, look at this kid run that offense. He's so mature, calling out blitzes and blah, 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 blah. You like how Bailey Zappi moves in the pocket better? Mm. And I feel that. I do feel that too. Mm. But that is learnable. But like the, some of these compliments we were giving, look at Bailey Zappi, control the offense. We were saying the same thing about Mac last year. Yeah. Maybe. It's just we have at this point fat ass Matt Patricia and dumbass Joe Judge just <laughs> ruining it. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's all it is. I, I, I kind of feel like though I feel like it's obvious that since that long win streak they had last year when they faced mostly bad teams, the minute they've opened up the offense completely and stopped holding Mac's hands through it, he's kind of floundered ever since. I know. And, no, I know you said that. And I don't think Zappy is the answer. I think right now New England has two backup quarterbacks. But to me, if Mac's going to continue to make poor decisions with the football, then Bailey is the better option. And be- people, that Jets game, I- yes, they won. Zach Wilson was awful. Yeah. Zach Wilson gave him that game. Mac was extremely lucky. Mac should have thrown a pick six which would have been his second pick of the day. And then late in the fourth quarter, when New England's trying to, like, you know, run down the clock on a third down, he throws one up again in double coverage, and it's like, Mac, what are you doing? Now, it falls harmlessly to the turf, but it's like the decision-making has not gotten any better with Mac. He looked bad against the Jets, but they got enough turnovers and got Zach Wilson to play even worse, and they got some breaks, so they won that football game. But Mac continues to make terrible decisions with the football. And it's an impossible situation. And maybe there's no right or wrong way to handle this. But I would probably give Mac another week or two. And if he continues to make those same decisions, then I'm going to turn it over to Zappy. Because mm. I don't think you're, oh, you're going to ruin Mac or this or that. What am I ruining? A a probably what should have been a third or fourth round pick who was elevated to a first round pick because of where he played and the talent around him. There's not a lot of special with Mac. And the reason he could be any good was because he could manage the game and not lose it. Well, he's starting to get into a place now where he's kind of losing games. 
So to me, the difference with Mac and Bailey, there is no difference. And therefore, I don't really care who's executing, who's not. Who's giving us a better chance to win and who is losing games for us. So I give Mac probably two more weeks if I continue to say the same mistakes over and over again, especially if I'm not coming out with W's in those two, I start thinking of turning it back over to Bailey. Mm. See, I just feel like part of the problem is like Matt comes to the sidelines. Matt Patricia walks. You made a mistake. I know. What should I have done? I don't know, man. I don't know. (laughs) Listen, I'm not saying that. I'm not not saying that's not part of the problem either. Obviously, we would love. We we we've. we, I would love we a beat, real offensive coordinator. Yeah, we, we beat the Matt Patricia and Joe Judge ain't it on offense with a yeah, – we beat it to death. Yeah. But, like, I, I just can't help but feel, and I feel like a lot of people feel this way, like, if Josh McDaniels was here, I don't think the offense would be spectacular because, like, I just don't think the personnel is good enough to be spectacular. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it would be cleaner. Oh, it would definitely be cleaner. Like, would I – at some point – Josh would have sat Mac down and be like, clearly Devontae Parker is not quite the Devontae Dolphin. Devontae Adams. <laughs> yeah. And he's, like, he's not, he's just not the Dolphin that we were, that we quite traded for. Talented still, but there's a reason they moved on. Yes. Stop doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I did feel like in the Jets game a lot too, you know, and we've said this about Mac, like he panics. Yeah, he does. Part of I felt like in the I could see the panic in the Jets game. Maybe it was even more frustration at that point because mm-hmm. it seemed to every play mm-hmm. he had to move. He was mm-hmm. trying to run a lot. Mm-hmm. When he was your easier was your leading back mm-hmm. at one point. That's yeah. not good. No, he's not Lamar. No, when your when your pocket passer is your leading uh, back. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah. Um. So I kind of felt like that. I could see that from a frustration building. But like, man, the blitz was just. They couldn't handle it. At least in the first half, it got cleaned up, but mm. it looked bad no, at times. It did. It did. And, and the Jets do have a very good D line. I want to get into they the in, indie game real quick. All right. Um, All right. You think Bill's going to mess with Sam Ellinger, who hasn't started a lot of games, just his second year? But you watch what Fields did to the Pats defense, and there is the thing in the back of your mind: is is Ellinger, who is a runner and is mobile. Is he going to be able to overcome all that stuff and be able to extend plays and run sideline to sideline with a Pats defense that's still not that quick? Yeah. It's it's interesting to think about it. Now, I don't think he will because I think Fields is a significantly faster runner and better athlete than Ellinger. I think Ellinger is a decent runner, but if you watch him in college, he actually ran with a bit of power instead. Fields is, I mean... A little more Josh Allen, less Lamar Jackson. Yeah, Fields has elite speed. He's also, well, here's the thing. I see, I've said this many times, like Bill has seemed to have a lot of trouble with containing quarterbacks. Yes. Particularly the very, it's not necessarily speed, but like agile quarterbacks. Yes. Those quarterbacks that can, you know, stop on a dime, make just such quick cuts. You know, I, a very young Russell Wilson gave this defense fits. Mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lamar Jackson mm-hmm. has given this defense fits mm-hmm. just because just the inability to wrap up mm-hmm. and get their ha- really get their hands on these just agile guys that mm-hmm. just can 
quickly just mm-hmm. move out of the way. Mm-hmm. It was even very frustrating at times with Zach Wilson. Yeah. So it is anytime like, oh, I'm going to fool these young quarterbacks. Well, it doesn't matter if he's just running down the field. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. And that's exactly what Fields did to them. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, they will be able to be all right with Ellinger, though, because I don't think Ellinger possesses that same sort of agility and speed um, as some of the other mobile quarterbacks that we just talked about that have given the Pats fits. Yeah, we, they don't have that spy potential. Like, you know, that they used to be like, used to be like Hightower, mm-hmm. but Hightower was never fast either. No. So... It was a useless spy almost. Yeah. He's running. But I can't catch up to him. <laughs> <Yeah>. There he goes. <laughs> there he goes as he runs by the angle I took. Yeah. No, that's exactly how it was. <laughs> um, how long is the leash for back? To the end of the year? I don't know. No matter what? It's, it's This is a weird situation. What do you? What would you do? Is the, oh, leash, is the leash now to the end of the year no matter what? No. Okay. Because like, if you're just like... If you're truly just like you're costing us game after game after game, at some point you just have to sit him down. Even if like you want him to be a guy, you just got to sit him down. Like you're learning nothing on the field. Uh-huh. Try watching. Yeah. Um, sit there with the clipbook. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, watch more film. Mm. Uh, just get your head correct. Watch this. Take a second. Watch this kid put together two or three drives a game. And just at least take five sacks instead of throwing three picks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and see how we sometimes win a little more than 50% of the time, 17 to 14. So this is week eight? Week, uh, is it? Eight, yeah, I believe yeah. it. Yeah, week eight. Yeah. Um, so this is like the halfway point of the season. Uh, I'd give him four. Okay. Five more weeks, I guess. Okay. If, and it's just like, if it's just. If it's not cleaned up. Yeah. If he's if it's the same mistakes Cause, over cause I feel and like over again. At some point just it's like you're bringing the morale down. Yeah. Like I know like at this point we're not going to get to the playoffs but like people just want to win something. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And like you said so, if you're learning nothing on the field, maybe you can learn something just sitting back and holding the clipboard. Yeah. And don't you know that Bill's trying to be the most winning coach of all time? Yes. Get out of his way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's that too. All right, with that Moving on to our next thing, the Washington Commanders. Hmm. We're going to talk about the Commanders for on-the-field stuff and off-the-field stuff. Usually it's just off-the-field stuff. (laughs) (laughs) But I do want to bring this up real quick before we get into the news about Dan Snyder. This team is significantly better with Taylor Heineke at quarterback. Whatever his limitations are and what Wentz's upside is, Wentz's upside clearly does not is not enough to overcome the things he doesn't do and what Heineke does do. When you look at this Washington team, the D-line is good, a track record of a very good defensive head coach, and I do think they actually have a good amount of weapons on offense. Curtis Samuel, uh, Antonio Gibson, Terry McLaurin. So you need someone who's just going to be able to run the offense and distribute the pass where it needs to be to these multiple weapons. So that's why I think this team is actually pretty good with Taylor Heineke and then a bad NFC. I think the commanders have a chance here to make a run. And and the other thing with Ron Rivera is defensive head coach. He has a history of starting the seasons bad when the weather is great and, you know, offensive teams can throw the ball all they want because winter hasn't hit yet. He has a track record of this, of getting better later in the season. So... Hmm. 
I maybe I'm crazy town. Uh, maybe we need to look at the schedule itself coming up. But I don't know. I, I kind of think the commanders are back in this thing a little bit. And a chance to make some noise here trying to get a wild card spot. Uh, well, just kind of with how the NFC is right now. I mean, I guess other than the Eagles and I maybe the 49ers now, but like, yeah. like who's it's hard to say like everyone's kind of got a chance a little bit. Yeah. Just yeah, like, but this team, we were saying this team was dead three weeks ago. We're like, yo, is Ron Rivera going to be the, the next coach fired during the season? I think it is. I, th- I just, I don't think people like Wentz. Yeah. I don't think people like playing with him. No, I, I think that's, I think, you, that, I think that's fair. Did you hear what Taylor Heineke does every time he wins a game? What? He goes and then buys custom Jordans that are the color of the team he just beat. Oh, really? Like he just beat the Colts. So he's, now he's going to go buy some uh, some white and blue Really? Sweet. Yeah. That's interesting. And the reason I bring that up is because, like, I mean, this man's got a personality. Mm-hmm. Like, not the one I would spend my money on mm-hmm. uh, week after week, but to each his own. But, like. But he never thought he'd be. But, he, I mean, like, did he ever think he would be here? So I get, oh, like, living probably, in the moment. Probably not, because he was, uh, what was he, an XFL quarterback? No, no, no. Like the AFF, yeah, whatever it was, yeah. uh, that one. Um, so no, so I, listen, I'm happy for the guy, and like I said, not what I would do with his my money, but like he's he's got he is a his own person, uh-huh. and I is I feel like they like that. Oh, but yeah. then you look at Carson Wentz, and I mean I've heard you know he seemed to have locker room problems several places he's gone, mm-hmm. and just that aside, but like whenever I've seen him in public, I don't know, he's just he he is. Everyone else in the group, you know what I mean? Yeah, I remember he was like when Bryce Harper signed with the Phillies, mm-hmm. and he was still with the Eagles. Like you know, Bryce Harper was the coolest guy in town, mm-hmm. and so Wentz wanted to hang out with him, and like everything Bryce Harper did, mm-hmm. Carson Wentz would like do, mm. and it was weird. Like Bryce Harper turns his hat around, two minutes later Carson Wentz hats backwards. Mm. It was weird, mm. and I was like, all right, Heineke's his own man. Mm. Carson Wentz is just some dude. Heineke's authentic. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. No, I get you. People want to play with that. I mean, you can see the energy in that team whenever Heineke was in the game. That's what I, like. yeah, that's what I mean. People want to play dis- despite, like, listen, we know Carson Wentz can be very talented. And we know Heineke is, athletic-wise, he is, he is the some dude. Yeah. But... Just because of who he is in the locker room, who he is maybe off the field, and who he is to his teammates, mm. he's the man. Yeah. He's the guy. Mm-hmm. So it just, it clicks. Yeah. It, it's not about the best players. It's about the right players. Yes. But I, like I said, I do think they have talent on offense, and that's why Heineke can win. Oh, they do. Because Heineke can't make things happen really himself all that much. He's not going to elevate people around him. But he can get the ball to where it needs to be and distribute it to people who can then make things happen. And they have that with McLaurin and Samuel and and Gibson. I mean, Wentz was not able to get the ball to Terry McLaurin. No, like now all of a sudden McLaurin has popped the last two games with Heineke in there. Yes, he has. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, that's the thing. They all talent wise elevate him as a player. Yes. He as a person elevates them their on the play, field. Their yeah. Play, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The intensity. Yeah. Yes. And just like, you know, when you're with your buddies, mm-hmm. I mean, sure they can be a distraction depending on what you're doing, but mm-hmm. sometimes you'll be better. Yes. Because like, I don't know. Sometimes maybe he's just a great person and they're just happy to be there and he's just so lovely to be around. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Carson Wentz ain't, and which he, I've heard. And certainly he was the 
energy, intensity, and cultural shot in the arm that they needed because they were starting to look like a team that quit. They really, it, it was getting that bad. Well, his first start was a playoff game against Tampa. Yeah. And he did decently well. Yeah. And I don't know, when you come into a situation like that, like, I don't know, like, I, I'm sure the average person will be nervous. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't believe I'm getting this shot. Like, how did I end? How did I stumble into this almost? Mm-hmm. I'm not supposed to be here. But I don't know. He's just got, he's just got that attitude, that personality. It's just like, well, I'm here. Why not? Why not ball out? Yeah. And people like that. Oh yeah. People love that. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a cool dude. It's electric. It is. So that's the on the field stuff. Do you think? Of, what do you think? Last last thoughts on? Do you think I'm crazy? Yeah, but I don't know what that has to do with the Commanders. No, no. You, <laughs> so you think there's a chance here they can make a push? Yeah. Okay. I, I I have a hard time counting. I know like we said a couple weeks ago, um, but like I have a it's a, I, you know I have a really easy time counting out Carson Wentz. I have a hard time counting out any team in the NFC right now though. Mm, I got you. But you know the moment Carson Wentz is back, I will count them out. I I don't <laughs> think Wentz is getting his job back. Probably not. I don't think so. I, I think that I think I, that ship has sailed. Even if they do, I I feel like people like Terry will just be like, coach, like yeah. Come on, look. Just look. If, what do uh, your eyes if, tell you? If Carson gets his job back, then it came from upstairs, and it's going to blow things up so bad. Mm. So yeah. Well, I, I mean, I've heard they want to get rid of Ron Rivera anyway. Uh we'll see. So maybe they'll just be like, put him in. We need to lose. I guess because we need to fire you. Uh, I, I'll never put anything past this organization. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> yeah. This is the command. This is the Washington command. And that brings us to our next segment. Our next part of this, which is. Yeah. The uh, the news that was it Bank of America security people I don't know I don't know he called a bank R- rich people stuff <laughs> <laughs> um, were talking with Dan Snyder and looking into the possibility of selling the team or personal or other transactions. Um, there's talk here is is Snyder exploring selling the team? Is Snyder only exploring bringing on? Uh, another minority owner to have a little bit more stake in the company. I don't know. Everyone gets their hopes up and say, oh, it's probably going to happen. He's looking to sell the team. I've heard this forever. I will believe it when I see it. But does it make sense that maybe he's looking for another owner to maybe take on a little bit more of the ownership? Maybe. Just to get himself out of the limelight all the time? I don't know. But then there's the the thing that now, who is it? Is uh, opening up a criminal investigation of their finances. Yeah. So, like, then that raises, well, maybe it makes sense that Snyder now would be thinking about selling the team because he's trying to jump out the the sinking ship. I don't know. It was the attorney general for the state of Virginia, I think. Yes. Yes. That's what it was. So then there's the argument, well, if they really have something on it, maybe Snyder's trying to jump ship now. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I mean, it's pretty... In the morning, we get the news. They're like, Dan Snyder's talking to the bank. Yeah, rich people stuff, uh-huh. uh, rich people activities. And then in the afternoon, we get that like, oh, there's an investigation being opened against him. And another one. Those can't be a coincidence. No. There's no doubt like, there's no doubt in anyone's mind that's like, all right, this would not, A, would not be happening mm-hmm. if B was not also happening. Yeah. He would not, He that would be 100% his team to the day he dies mm-hmm. if there was not an investigation being opened. Mm-hmm. Now, I kind of think, because he said, someone made the point, 
it might have been Adam Scheffner actually on Twitter. Um, he said years ago he will never consider changing the name of the team. Mm-hmm. It is now on its third name. Mm. Uh, he said he will never sell this team. This is my team. Mm. I think the government hanging over your head is pretty inspiring to say, like, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to jump off the ship. I will sell this team. Yeah. Um, because, like, you know, I think that's really the only thing that could ever truly push get, him out. Get Dan Snyder to get get the hell away from an NFL team is the threat of prison time. Yes. So I, I actually think he's probably gonna just sell. Okay. I, I would he's probably gonna like talking to the bank, like, let me hold on to something, please, please, please. But like I guarantee like the deeper this goes, like he's done some wild things. Oh yeah, yeah. And this is about like the finances, so you know. The hammer is going to come down. This mm. is about money. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, treat the cheerleaders how you want. Um, screw over everyone. But, like, this is about money. Don't mm. do that. <laughs> so, like, you're going to jail, mm-hmm. Snyder. Maybe. Maybe. I think he, I think he might be able if to sell. You, if it, you really did the finance thing, you're going to jail. Don't I, mess with finance. Uh, uh, unless he sells the team and leaves the country in time. I guess. He's got the money to do that. Yeah. Just... Just sitting over there, you know, somewhere in South America or in Europe. No, just no, like no. <laughs> He's going to go to England, and then he's going to call Goodell and be like, it's time for a football team in England. <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> the owners would never allow that again. <sighs> Probably, they, the, uh, owners, the owners, we hope not. The owners are going to throw a cocaine and strippers party the minute Dan Snyder <laughs> sells the team, dude. Uh, we hope they will. Probably on Jerry Jones's yacht. <laughs> Uh, did you hear what actually Jerry Jones, this off topic, went for Halloween? No. Blind ref. That's pretty funny, actually. That is funny. I like, you know, I'm the weird one. I kind of <laughs> like Jerry Jones. I don't think he's a great owner. He makes me laugh. Uh, I, I love Jerry Jones. He's so funny. But then again, Dan Snyder also makes me laugh. Yeah, not in the same way. <laughs> <laughs> not in the same way. Not quite. Not quite. All right. That's with that. I want to talk about the Bears. The Bears. That's how I put it in my notes. Chicago. The Bears, I, I said there was, was one of the worst-owned teams. The worst run mm. operation. And it was. But I think they're starting to get it now. Because Justin Fields, with barely anything to work with here, is starting to show flashes of maybe he can fulfill the potential that we all saw coming out of college. And he is a grade A when you look at potential. He is big. He is super athletic rocket arm, and tough as nails. He'll hang in the pocket, make the throws, everything. But he's starting to show signs of life here. And now Chicago, seeming like knowing they've surrounded him with an absolute garbage cast of people, has now said, we need to go out and get him some help. So they trade Roquan Smith, the linebacker, who was going to get expensive, didn't want to be there anymore, and wasn't going to win you games right now because you're not in that place anyway. And they go out and they get a chase play pool to give him a number one wide receiver or maybe a 1A, 1B alongside Darnell Mooney and at least give this kid a chance. They trade uh, uh, Quinn as well to get more draft picks. So you've gotten him Chase Claypool, a legitimate wide receiver, so you don't have to keep going to the cast-offs of Nikhil Harry and stuff like Mm -hmm. that for Fields to throw to. He got a touchdown this last week. And you've gotten draft picks for the next draft with trading away Quinn and Roquan Smith. So I think the Chicago Bears, I want to give them a, a, an A-plus a today. 
because I think they get it. I think they're getting it. And I think this shows you that they're seeing what I'm seeing and what a lot of people are seeing the last three to four weeks. Fields is showing that maybe he's getting better and his supporting cast, make no mistake about it, is about as bad as it gets in the league right now. So they're doing everything they can to make it work for Fields. That's how I view what they're doing right now. Mm. All right. Also, I mean, a little middle finger to Green Bay and taking Claypool. Yeah. Because apparently Packers were in on him. Yes, they were. They were. Uh, so that's pretty funny. Mm. Uh, I mean, I guess I, I understand what you're doing. And I certainly think the trading of the way pieces was a smart move. It's just like, I don't know if, I know Claypool's talented, mm-hmm. but he's, he's not a really a leader and a guy you want to maybe build around, but okay, he's talented. And I, it's well, weird. But, but, but he's there to build around fields. He's not there to, to build around chase. No, I sure. I, I understand that you usually build around the quarterback, but like what I mean is like, he's going to be the wide receiver and you kind of build down from him. Mm-hmm. So, and having him being your leader in your wide receiver room is well. Darnell Mooney's been there longer, so Mooney might still be the leader in the wide receiver okay. room. All right, and Maybe. people are making a lot about that, but I think you have to realize what Claypool was dealing with in Pittsburgh, and that was Pittsburgh? a dramatic, aging Big Ben who could not push the ball down the field. And Claypool is a large fifty-fifty ball down the field wide receiver. And then he was dealing with Trubisky and Kenny Pickett. And whatever you think about Pickett, there are some things I like about Pickett, but he's never going to be that guy that 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 is throwing the ball way down. He's never going to be that guy. Mm. He's going to be he's going to be closer to the like the the Drew Brees kind of type. He's, he's got to be very accurate, smart, pre snap, run offense, get the ball out where it needs to be. That that's what he's going to be. You know, he'll never be that down the field guy. So. Pittsburgh never had what was going to be helpful for Claypool. And then you throw in Pittsburgh's awful offensive line that wasn't even able to give the quarterback enough time to throw the ball all that deep. So so Claypool's dip in numbers are super, super easy to see why. It's just not a all fit. Right. And with Fields, you have a guy that will extend plays, make plays run longer, run away from trouble, and has a rocket arm. So I think Claypool's a very nice fit for Chicago and Justin Fields. All right. But it's also just like, why now? Like, what was wrong with the off season? Uh, I think they switched head coaches, regimes, uh, and and this GM didn't draft Justin Fields. So this GM wanted to see if he was going to be into it or if he needed to start thinking about getting his own quarterback. I think that's mm. the biggest thing. Okay. All right. Then why not just tank the season away to the off season? I mean, they're still going to tank. That's why they traded Roquan and Quinn, right. and they acquired draft picks. They're just getting some help for Fields. I guess. Maybe so. All right. It's common. Yeah. We won't suck forever. Yeah. I, I, I guess. I, yeah. I'm, I, I mean, it, it makes the Bears' offense better today, and it makes them better for the future mm-hmm. in theory. Mm-hmm. But it's just like weird timing. I get. I guess why you think it's weird timing, but I think it makes – perfect sense because I think the GM wanted to sit and wait because he did not pick Justin that was not his pick he's not beholden to that so he needs to think about especially if we're going to be really bad are we going to be in in that range where we can get a quarterback I feel like he so should I should I build around this kid as my future or should I look to get my own guy and I think the last two three weeks they've said okay we got something here we can work with now let's try and give him a fighting chance that had to come from the owner then right 
when you hire a new guy and you just used your first round pick top what was he the 15th pick i don't know why i forget but it, it was top 15 16 17 something like that mm-hmm. um when you use like a, a pick like that on your qb like and then you bring in a new gm like i feel like you sit him down and be like build around this kid mm-hmm. or you know you tell him something along those lines right uh, i think you let him do his job you let the gm figure it out himself now, uh, no, I would now that lo- is a conversation you have before you hire him. Like, what do you think of our personnel, our young quarterback? Where you know, I'm sure they had that conversation at least. Okay, because like, sure, I definitely want like, hey, we're hiring you to do your job type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I would hope that out of that from a owner, but at the same time, like, I, I would, yeah, I would understand. You need to have that conversation of like, listen, we're hoping to build around this kid. Mm-hmm. Do you think you can do that? Yeah, and I I would prefer to hire the guy that said like, oh yeah, I, I have a, I have a plan. I know exactly what to do with this kid, mm-hmm. as opposed to I'm gonna see, mm. and I'm gonna go from there. Mm. I mean, hey, like I guess I'd hire if I'm if I have a guy I want, I might hire him just regardless of what he says. Mm. If he's like, I know this guy can do it, but I'd prefer the guy that says like, hey. I know what I can do with Justin Fields. I know how to handle that kid. I know how to handle his talent, his uh, repertoire, his mm-hmm. all this stuff. So, uh, you know, I don't know the conversation had, but it's like it just feels weird to hire a guy and have him be like, "Listen, I know you just spent your first round pick on a mm-hmm. what you were hoping to be a franchise quarterback." Yeah, yeah. but I'm gonna just I'm gonna just wait and see. Go with what I feel. Mm. I get you. Now, if he, if he says it with the utmost gusto, I'm you know maybe he'll just convince me like he's Robert California and hire himself at that point. But you know, mm. whatever. I'm not. That is the reason I'm not in the room. I guess. Nah, I get you. All right. I think we can move on. We're gonna have a quick break, but first I want to get into this real quick. I don't think this should take long. I, I want to bring it up just because there was so many people freaking out about it last week. The Cincinnati and the Cleveland Browns game. Since he gets stomped out by Cleveland and everyone's freaking out again. Oh my gosh, is Cincy going backwards? Are they not that good? The AFC North does this all the time. This division football is weird and different, but the AFC North like takes it to another level. <laughs> and if you remember last year, Cleveland stomped Cincy out. Again, last year. It's a matchup thing. These coaching staffs and teams, they can't fool each other. They see each other twice a year, every year. They know the personnel. They know what they like to play. You're not fooling anyone in these games. And Cleveland... Even though they're not a great team, especially with the backup quarterback, Jacoby Brissett, what what Cleveland is good at is the weakness of Cincinnati, which is Miles Garrett, a pass rush, and they do have good corners to at least limit the explosive plays that Cincy runs. In a lot of ways, especially where KC's at right now, KC is a better matchup for the Bengals than a Cleveland Browns team that's not nearly as good of a team. It, mm. It's a matchup thing. It's an in-division thing. And I'm the guy who said since he's going to take steps back this year, calm down, everybody. The Bengals are okay. Yeah, but it's also, I mean, Burrow is 0-4 against the Browns. That's what they, I mean, though. They, give him, they do give him fits. That's what I mean. You know, maybe uh, that's Joe Burrow's childhood team. Maybe he throws those games. I don't know. I don't know. Possibly. But, you know, this is also first game without Jamar Chase this year. Mm-hmm. The offensive line has not been fixed. No. But... What is the biggest concerning is now you are 0-3 against your division opponents. That's true. And although you're not out of it record-wise, mm-hmm. you are losing 
it's the it's the teams you're losing against. I I do I do agree. I, and, and and listen, this is why I don't think they were I didn't think they were winning the division to start the year. But people freaking about the, that individual game, like now, oh my gosh, what's wrong with Cincy? Since he's, I don't feel any different after that game than I did about Cincy coming into that game. I actually don't. I really don't. Yeah, I still feel this. Is, no, I still feel this is a good Cincy team. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll see how they handle the lack of Jamar Chase. Yeah, that that's a big loss because they are a team that relies on explosive plays. I just think if you're Cincinnati now, like the division, winning the division is now very much in jeopardy. Yes, because you're losing to the wrong teams. Mm-hmm. You can lose these games, whatever it happens. You're not out of it because, like, there's no good teams this year. Yeah. Um, but you can't be keep losing to the Browns. You can't lose to this. You can't lose to the Steelers, man. The Steelers suck. They're not gonna. They're not. They won't lose to the Steelers. But you did. You did week one. I know, but they won't lose again to the Steelers. Um, and now you, you gotta beat the. You gotta beat the, the Ravens now too. Yeah. And the Ravens like, themselves histo- can't run away with it. But but historically, by the way, this is the AFC North. Since he blows Baltimore out for some reason, they did it multiple times. It's a matchup uh, thing. It really is. But they didn't this year yet. Not yet. But we'll see what happens now. Yeah. With but a Baltimore he, secondary that's still not very good. Sure. So we'll see what happens. But everybody freaking out about that game. Stop. Just stop. It's the AFC North. That's what they do. <laughs> All right. We're gonna take our last quick break here before we get into our final topics. Jimbo Fisher, Texas A&M, Tommy Report, and Darwin. Jimbo. Stick with us, guys. Back here with Slow Your Roll, getting ready to finish things up. Some college football talk down in down in the South. SEC football, Texas A&M, baby. Jimbo Fisher. What a hot mess this is. Jimbo. Jimbo. Now you got to be like, Jimbo. Jimbo. Uh, this, is, um, this, is, this is comical. Uh, this is about as bad as it gets. Uh, this situation is an unmitigated disaster over there at College Station. Uh, nobody quite knows exactly what's going on, how this could be going so wrong. Uh, when, as, when the A&M, so when A&M gave Jimbo Fisher all this money and they moved to the SEC, they were trying to overtake their big rival, obviously Texas, the Longhorns, who were starting to dip and become the premier program in Texas. And recruiting-wise, it was working very well. A&M had continuously had some of the best recruiting classes in the country. It was driving people crazy. People, other coaches in the SEC were continuously taking shots at Jimbo Fisher. Saban saying they paid for all those guys and all this kind of stuff. So the recruiting part was working. However, what we've come to realize is uh, Jimbo Fisher is an elite recruiter. He is not a very good head coach. 
And that is evident by the fact that they should have far more talent on the field than most of their opponents they play, and yet they are losing games they should not. Now, A&M, I don't know why they gave Jimbo Fisher the extension that they did, considering you could already see the signs that they were underachieving. Yes, it was not as bad as it was this year, but it was there. It was obvious that this team was underachieving, and now it's it's just full-blown mayhem down there in Texas A&M. Um, and they're handcuffed. They don't know what they can do. $85 million is the buyout on Jimbo Fisher's contract. <laughs> they would have to pay this man $85 million just to go away. <laughs> That's what it would take. And Paul uh, Feinbaum, you know, the reporter uh, for, you know, the ESPN's reporter for college football is, has talked about how bad it is, but he goes, no, they're not going to buy him out. You can't just buy someone out $85 million. From being down there, from talking to the people I am talking to, Nothing is off the table right now. I'm serious. Nothing is off the table. But I will say this, Jimbo, you better make sure your personal life is buttoned up. Just no transgressions. Better be very, very loyal with your wife. Nothing, <laughs> nothing's going on. Because I'm telling you right now, if there's any shenanigans going on in Jimbo Fisher's personal life, let's just say it's going to come out. It's <laughs> going to get found out. That... That's where we're at here at Texas A&M. They are going to leave no stone unturned right now in trying to get rid of this man. And uh, I don't know. I don't know how far it's going to go. The Longhorns move into the conference in 2025. So there's still a little bit of a runway here. Like I said, nothing. I'm all options are on the table. Maybe they give Jimbo another year just to try and pay some of that money. So we don't have to pay the full $85 million on the buyout to get him out of here this year. But it's gotten so bad that there are reports of kids from this recruiting class and the last recruiting class texting their still high school coaches and their high school teammates saying, don't come here. Don't come here. That's how bad it is. That's how much of a disaster this is for A&M. And they're going to have to figure something out because... They can't be in this situation with Jimbo Fisher when it comes time for the, for the Longhorns to move in division. And they know that. Everybody knows that. All options are on the table right now. We're going to see what happens. Watch College Station with a close eye because uh, it's the Kardashians down there right now. It's, it's drama-filled central. Mm. Crazy. Madness. What does A&M stand for? Uh, Abercrombie and Mitch? Or? I thought it was agricultural something. Like, because their name's the Aggies. Aha, uh-huh, I finally loaded. Did Texas it? Agricultural and Mechanical University. Thank you. I knew it. I was like, agriculture and manufacturing? I don't know. Something like that. Hmm. So. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Google wouldn't go fast enough. Yeah. Hmm. So, why is he such a good recruiter and a bad coach, but uh, Urban Meyer was, like, known for his recruiting, but he could coach? I don't know. I, I, I mean... It, it could be as simple as Texas A&M gave him so much money and so much power that like, I mean, like he is the king there right now. Like they can't, you can't tell him to do anything he doesn't want to do. Like maybe he's gotten lazy. It could even just be that you just, he gotten fat, lazy, mm. doesn't care anymore. I don't know. Became a glutton. But maybe he, he can't build a good staff anymore. Maybe that's part of it. People don't want to coach under him. I mean, power goes to people's heads. Maybe he was better at Florida State 
maybe he was a good coach there. And when he came to AM, got all this money, all this fame, and all this and all that to the point that no one can keep him in line. Well, maybe he's just falling off the cliff. Hmm. You know? Well, what makes it so bad? Like you say, like he's such a good recruiter, he's getting all these good players. Like you think you could just, with t- enough talent, stumble into some victories, right? You would think. How, how, like, how do we know, like, this is definitely the coaching? Like, this is definitely their fault. Like, are they just... Because they're, they're for the last, like, three, four years, they're, they're finishing with a top five recruiting class. And yet, this year, they are three and five, and they're only one and four in the SEC. So, like, two of those wins are against outside the SEC. They're not even power programs. They're, like, Division two programs and stuff like that. Hmm. He has been... <clears throat> so, he lost at home to Old Miss... He lost to South Carolina, which is not a good football team in the SEC at all with a new coach. He lost 30 to 24 and he lost 42 to 24 to Mississippi State. Again, not a great football team. Now Mike Leach is a very good coach, but like the gap in talent at Texas A&M and Mississippi State is massive. And he's losing by by 20 points. Maybe these kids just suck. That's not <laughs> it. I don't know. I mean, it. you have a lot of kids who've transferred now out of the program the last couple of years. Like, the warning signs have been here for a while for AM, hmm. but I mean, it's really hit like it's crescendo this year. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, like, like it, if, if you have significantly more talent and you're losing games, like, that's coaching. Like, the NFL, we think there's a massive talent gap. There is not that much of a massive talent gap from the best team to the worst team. They're all NFL players. They're all the best of the best in college. College is different. I mean, it's the Grand Canyon sometimes between a lot of these programs. Even programs that you think are good, the gap between them and the Bamas and the LSUs and the Ohio States is is huge. Hmm. You know what I mean? So... If you're losing games like that to, to teams that with that much of a gap between you, it, it's the coaching. Okay. Yeah. And it's it's funny down there right now the way they are losing their minds. And the SEC in general with the NIL and stuff, uh, this is why Washington coach Chris Peterson's not interested in coming back to football uh, and coaching college football because it is like the wild, wild west. I mean, you're basically paying players right now. The NIL is supposed to be like name, image, and likeness. All they're supposed to be able to like have commercials and all this kind of stuff. I never see any of these damn kids on commercials. I've and, seen and, and and a few of them you do, but like down south, they're even like, well, they paid that wide receiver some three, four million dollars. I have yet to see a commercial. <laughs> <laughs> like I've seen like there's just no rules right now. It's back in the day, like I think it was the '80s or the '70s, like when SMU got in trouble. It's it's like the Southwestern Conference. When you are you aware of what happened to SMU? They got the death penalty as a program. No, uh, the NCAA literally shut down their football program for like two years. Oh, because it like the cheating was that bad. That's the SEC right now. Hmm. Now it's hmm. it's gray area because it's not technically cheating because you're allowed to pay them, but like you're supposed to pay them for name, image, and likeness, but nobody's seeing any ads, so you're kind of just paying people uh, right I've now. Seen like, like one or two. It's weird. It's it's a weird time. But like, I'll tell you right now, the SEC is the wild, wild west. I've seen like one from like a kid who's got a, a crazy name and he did one for like an electrical company. I saw that one. 
So yeah, it was awkward. <laughs> it was weird. I did see that one. All right. With that, we got to get ready to wrap things up here. Jesse, take it away with our Tommy report as always. Okay. So, I mean, you all know what's going on in Tom Brady's life, mm. but I don't want to talk about his wife and his <laughs> ex-wife. Uh, so let's talk about how bad the Bucks are. Mm. Because if any of our team maybe needs to panic, I mean, I guess you don't because of like your conference and like let's be real, like Atlanta still sucks, Carolina still sucks, mm. Saints suck ish at times. I don't know what to make of them. I really don't. It would help if they were healthy, but like you just you, you it's uninspiring. It's boring. It's the same thing every week and I understand like there's only so much you can do with your line when it's shredded Mm -hmm. as it is but like I just feel like they're just trotting out the same thing every week and it's like Tom's gonna save us Mm -hmm. Tom's gonna save us and I know people are getting on Tom like he's regressing he's looking old and it's like I kind of don't feel that way oh I don't either I his team kind of is ass I think his team does suck I think the online sucks and I think the coaching I mean, I don't know. Maybe Bruce Arians needed to be there because right now they kind of look. I guess. Him they, and his red pen. The coaching staff seems kind of overmatched. Todd Bowles doesn't seem to have a great handle on things. And maybe Bowles is, is a coordinator. Maybe he's not a head coach. There's a lot of those. Maybe, but you, you feel like Brady and Leftwich should be fine. I know. Because it was, yeah, it was Arians and his red pen that would come in and cause problems. But I guess that red pen was everything. I don't know. But, like, I, I really feel a lot of this is because the line. Mm-hmm. The oh, line. Oh yeah, that's a major part of it. This is Tom Brady we're talking about. Yeah, he can't move. He needs a line. I would go. I would go line forty percent. Tom's personal life twenty percent, and then the rest of the really? coaching staff. I feel like that's a lot for Tom's personal life. Oh, I think it's. Subjective. I feel like Tom is a. I don't want to like sound mean, but I. Still but I think forty like percent fine, forty percent staff, twenty percent. Part of me thinks he's glad. Peace and quiet when I go home. I doubt that. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm sure he misses his kids and whatnot, but like, you know. Relief that the situation you is over. A, you ever have a girlfriend, you're happy and you like her, but like, you just rather be by yourself. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, plenty of times. Sure. Yeah. Plenty of times. Tom strikes me as that man. Yeah, definitely. And a like, little bit, a little there's bit. nothing wrong with that, ladies. <laughs> At least I hope not. Um, <laughs> but. I just don't think – the point I'm making is I don't think Tom's personal life affects him that much on the field. Okay. Like, it's not Tom's – it's not Giselle's fault that he's running for his life the second he gets the ball. Mm. <laughs> However mm-hmm. – all right. We'll, we'll go there a little bit with drama, I guess, real quick. Okay. Because okay. I did hear a report that apparently, um, you know, Giselle's one of those – she likes the – the, the healing crystals and oh, gee, stuff like that. But, like, apparently she would, like, I don't know, burn an effigy or something mm-hmm. every Saturday night. Or just the, uh, the night before Tom Brady's games, like, she would, like, say a witching prayer. Mm-hmm. Apparently for him. No way. And maybe that was, you know, three Super Bowls without her, four with her. She's put a hex on the team. Four appearances without her, five with her. Excuse me, six appearances with her. I don't know. Maybe she's not putting a hex, but maybe like. It's in his head. Maybe literally part of the reason Tom Brady has been able to defy Father Time was voodoo magic. (laughs) 
from his wife. I don't know. I'm not. They are weird people. That's not that kind of podcast. It's not. It's not. But like, I'll give you this. Maybe it's the placebo effect of it. Maybe. Perhaps. Yeah. Maybe. You know what? Maybe. Maybe, maybe Tom. Does, maybe I don't have my invincible voodoo uh, powers over me yeah. right now. My protective yeah. crystals. I can't make out with my son every morning. My, my, protective, <laughs> my protective prayer is not around me anymore. I don't know. I don't know. They are weird. People. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's maybe it is his personal life. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We've That's, gone off the chain. It's been your weekly comedy update. <laughs> All right. With that, follow that. Darwin Award <laughs> to finish this up. Let's go. This week's Darwin Award winner is Texas A&M. Oh. The Aggies. <laughs> I mean, like I said, $85 million just to make a man go away. That, that's where you're at, Texas A&M. How much are they spending to try to dig up dirt? I don't have those figures in front of me. That is, you might end up spending more if time goes on far long I, I'm sure it doesn't cost that much. I, they usually do these figures. Yeah. Like, you know, if we... Well, the defunct product will make this money and then we'll find this money. Jesse, those numbers aren't on the books. Sure. But I just mean like it's part of that research of like, all right, if we put out this defunct product, it'll take them this long to find out. We'll then get this big of a fine and we'll still make this much profit. Let's put it out. I gotcha. Anyway, though, so A&M. Now, this wouldn't have been completely avoidable, but but we wouldn't be talking 85 million for the buyout if you hadn't given him a contract extension last year. How long is it? But you did. You gave him a four-year contract extension that would keep him in Texas A&M under contract till 2031. And yes, it wasn't as bad as it was last year. I mean, this year is not as bad. I mean, last year wasn't as bad as this year is. But like, the signs have been there that he was bringing in top recruiting classes and yet underachieving, underachieving, underachieving. The offense, and he's an offensive guy, looked like a mess a lot of times last year. And people were transferring. Like, the um, warning signs were here. I'm not saying fire Jimbo last year, but you probably shouldn't have given him a four-year contract extension. Yeah. How yeah. long has he been there? Oh, I don't know. It's been a while now. Okay, so he has been there for a while. Yeah, it's, it's been a decent amount of time. Like since Johnny Menzel was there? No, that was Kevin Sumlin. Okay. Yeah, so no. Menzel, Menzel no. Okay. But, but he was not – I don't think he was long after that. Okay. But anyway – you all gave right. this man with all the warning signs, who was already under contract for a while and getting paid. It's not like he was going to walk away. A four-year extension. And Wait. now this is where you're at. So he was kicking ass in recruiting for like four to five years. Yes. And not really making any progress. No. And they still were like... Here's a four-year contract extension. That's my point. <laughs> That's why this was all very avoidable. <laughs> Hey. <laughs> yeah. So I they were paralyzed by losing those great recruiting classes. But like, hey, if he's not making them work, who cares? Here's the thing. Why not just hire other coaches? What do you mean? As in like coordinators. Uh, like no, this- he, no, he has full control of that. <sighs> yeah. This is why I mean he's the king of the organization. You can't just sit him down and go, like, nope. listen. Nope. He won't, you, you can't even tell him to sit down? Jesse, what, what are you going to do? Be like, listen. What what can they do? He has more power. This is than why the, you sit him down. He has more power than the AD. If he, you were telling me there's no one in that college. No, like he's what? Does he literally like? Does he run admissions now too? Does uh, he run a- course selection? The AD can't do anything without his his approval. What? He won't even pick up a phone. You can't call him. 
and be like, listen, bro. I'm sure they do, but at the end of the no, day, no, if Jimbo doesn't right. want to do it, Here's what, you do. what are you going to do? You call him, sit him down, which I'm sure he's willing to do, and be like, listen, you recruit like there's no tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But we're not winning games here. So, like, and understand, we understand your contract. We can't do anything. But, like, come on, you want to win games too, right? Like, yeah. It's like that meme with the stick. Like, do something. Yeah. Do something else. I don't know. Just sit him. Just I'm, like, sure they will, I'm sure they will have that conversation after the year this year if he is still there. It's like, listen, we have but money. Like, Hire I'm, different people. I'm telling you right now, they're very handcuffed. At the end of the day, it <laughs> still comes down to whatever Jimbo wants to do. Jimbo's going to do. Apparently, Jimbo doesn't want to win games. I don't know what Jimbo wants. <laughs> I don't know at this point. Jimbo. All I know is that they win the Darwin because this was very avoidable if you didn't give them a four-year extension last year. All right. I mean, Texas Agriculture and Mechanical University just needs to be like, listen, do you want to win games or not? We will pay who you want to hire. Yeah. Hire different people. I don't know. But anyway, Darwin Award winner, Texas A&M. Congratulations. Texas who? Ag- uh, Agricultural Agriculture Mechanical <laughs> University. <laughs> and Mechanical University. I am never calling them A&M again. <laughs> All right, so that has been it for Slow Your Roll this week, guys. Looking forward to the World Series tonight. Crossing my fingers. I hope Philly takes it. I've never rooted for Philly really in my life. Still... And yet I kind of am. Kind of. I... Kind of. <sighs> mostly because mostly I want those videos of the city losing its mind. I, whoever wins tonight, I am rooting against them for game six. Because, like, just... Give me distance. Okay. I get you. Give me a long series. All right. And then, like, I mean, I don't care that much who wins. I don't like Philly. Mm. I don't like the Astros. Mm. To be honest, I kind of feel bad for Dusty Baker. I do feel, <laughs> I do feel bad for Dusty Baker a little so, bit. So, like, I'm rooting a little bit for Dusty Baker, but I just can't root for the Astros. No, I got it. I got it. All right. That has been it for Slow Your, Reek, uh, Slow Your Roll this week. Have a great rest <laughs> of your week.